for all hard rock, heavy metal bands needing worldwide exposure at affordable prices. Online Metal Promo PR is taking bands from the underground to above ground. Visit their official website at onlinemetalpromo.net. Onlinemetalpromo.net. All right, Manny, have you purchased anything new recently? I have purchased quite a few things, but I was showing this off because it reminds me of being like Wayne. Wayne buys stuff he doesn't need of songs he already has. For example, his 10 billion Halloween CDs. I can't say anything because I have 2 billion. I have 75 Jimi Hendrix live recordings, and you. I can't say anything. I think it's, it's three billion it. by now, but okay. I'll get on that in a second. But you got White Snake's greatest hits remixed, remastered, and re and revisited. So basically, Coverdale took uh, they recorded some new solos on some of these tracks. Uh, wow, found some solos! I can't remember what song it was, but on one of these, they found a John Sykes solo, which kind of surprised me he could use it, considering those two men are on the outs. But uh, anyway, well. He owns it because it's the it was under the White Snake name. So, uh, and he was probably signed as a solo act, not as a full band on Geffen, is my assumption. So, yeah, because David Coverdale did not share the White Snake brand with anyone. That's all him. It's safe to say that everyone, with the exception of the original members, uh, is salaried, not uh, a partner. No, oh, oh, I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah, you'd you'd probably like to be under a Black Snake, Lou. Wait a minute, would I like to be in White Snake? Oh, you'd like to be under a black snake. Oh jeez. Oh. Wow. <laughs> wow. Way. Oh, but don't good night, everybody. <laughs> oh, we are, we just got kicked off YouTube. Shit. <laughs> All right, what do you got, Wayne? You got anything else, uh, Manny? Oh, yeah, Manny. but I'm not gonna go get it. So you go. All right. Well, y'all yeah, do mine and you go get yours. Um, I got some sabotage reissues. Oh, oh. was that ever released on vinyl before this? I'm sure it was because this was in the 90s, so I'm sure it had to be on the vinyl. When but did the... vinyl stop getting produced originally? Like 92? Probably late 90s. Late but, 90s, okay. But, but you know, know, the last cool. vinyl I bought was ACDC. Well, it comes with a uh, slip mat, too, so that's kind of cool. Oh, it's a uh, what's that called? Uh, 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 print mat. disc. A slim no, no, I mean, I mean, the disc, it's, I mean, the, the vinyl itself, it actually has like the full oh. artwork on it. No, this one's uh, colored blue. Oh, okay. Oh, that's, oh, that's cool. nice. Yeah. What's that's it cool. sound like? Or have you had, uh, had it? Sounds like yeah. the album. Listen, smart ass. Does it sound good? <laughs> I haven't listened to it yet. I have not oh, had okay. time. Uh, and Edge of Thorns. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, this one actually has two records. I think this is yellow. It's a pretty cool color. It's you know, we need to we need to cover sabotage on this show because I have a confession to make, which is I've never listened to them. Well, <gasps> I got it. I used to see sabotage all the time, and in Tampa, Florida. How long have you lived in Florida, though, Manny? Your whole uh, life? Most of it, yeah. Okay. Least, yeah, since I was real little, about ten. So anyway, I would see sabotage. I saw them once they were Avatar or some other name. I didn't realize Avatar. They were, they were originally called. Yeah, and uh, anyway, I used to see them all the time. But when they got Sax Stevens, I never went and saw them again. I don't know why, because I bought the CDs. I just never saw them. So. 
Mm. Uh, and last, uh, if he's watching, this is uh, Scott's favorite band, Mr. Bungle. Evil Scott? No, not Evil Scott. Another that's Scott I work with. Oh, okay. He's supposed to be watching right now. And he loves Mr. Bungle. He loves when I play Mr. Bungle. I'm being sarcastic, by the way. I actually uh, like that. I have mixed feelings on the album. Sometimes I, I like it, and sometimes I think it's shitty. So I don't know. I love their newest one, which is like a you know a remake of their original demo with uh, Scott Ian and uh, uh, who's drumming on it, Dave Lombardo. So wow, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. It is. It's it doesn't sound like Mr. Bungle. It's it's like thrash, so it's not like crazy. uh, But that's that's what they they originally started. Yeah, they did. I thought they were like some sort of butthole service type band. No, they started as a thrash band, and all of a sudden they started bringing in horns and clowns and all the circus bullshit yeah because i think he really tried to deviate from what he was doing with faith no more so i never understood that you work so hard for your success and then suddenly you become successful and then you're like i don't like it so i'm gonna do this other thing because it was more of a vanity project than it was like anything else so a vanity project you kind of take it upon yourself to do whatever the hell you want and not worry about if it's going to be commercially viable or successful, it's like, you know, well, I got my meal ticket. That's faith. No more. I'll do whatever the hell I want with Mr. Bungle. So, but wow. it worked in his favor. It There's did. a big following of Bungle fans out there. Oh yeah. I finally yeah. bought that CD like a couple, like three or four years ago. I didn't even buy it at the time. I, I just, you know, I, I like faith no more. I wasn't a fan of that. Now I like it a little bit, but I still don't love it. I love uh, Faith No More. I, I, I love I Faith No More, actually, but Mr. Bungle? Eh, yeah. mm. And then uh, I also got some cassettes. These are being very uh, popular right now for some reason. Why I don't know I, why. I can't stand cassettes. I never liked them. I don't yeah. know. I, I got them at a yard sale. Women wanted $3 each for these. I said no. They're yeah, like but you can't even listen to them in your car. <laughs> no, I, I only buy them just to have them. Just to have them? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I got it. I, I, I'm buying some of the ones that I had when I was younger because I was stupid and I sold them all. I just like you know, it. Like, look, you know? when I, I got was... rid of tons of cassettes, but I didn't. I've got a few, but only because I replaced them in a CD. And Lou, I interrupted you. No, it's okay. It's funny that we're talking about cassettes because when I was working at Eternal Con for Troma, um, you wouldn't believe what most people were buying. It wasn't DVDs and it wasn't Blu-rays. What was it? That? Was it was the universe. Um, um, eight tracks no very funny <laughs> no so back in the day the psp used to play like movies on like little discs oh yeah yeah so the psp portable discs those were huge flops they were flops but there were uh, psp discs of the toxic avenger film that people who love trauma were just like oh my god i need that not because i want to watch it but just because i want to have it so they, they were dropping good loot for it they were you know i mean like you know you would think you would probably find it in like a bargain big for a dollar they were dropping 30 bones on a psp copy of toxic avenger just because they wanted to have that in their collection so you know people People buy anything they still use that thing that psp because you can mod it and you can have it play anything I, I want to know. I haven't been a gamer since 2011. And the last video game I bought, I could tell you, uh, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. And I think I played it for five minutes. <laughs> I, I have the the, re, uh, the remastered of that one. I'm yet to play it yet. All right. By All the right. way, I don't have any new CDs to show this week, but I did make a purchase on Discogs yesterday. Which was? Uh, Michael Kiske's first solo album after exiting Halloween. 
Oh, that should be cool. That's, it's got Adrian Smith on it, right? Is that the Adrian one? Smith and Kai Hansen are on it, and that was my sole purpose for getting it. And there was a song that I heard on it that he filmed in he filmed the video for it in New York City, mm-hmm. and it was a dedication to Ingo. And I heard it and I liked it. I'm like, you know, I mean, I would just buy it on the strength of this song alone. Yeah. So, you know, looking forward to getting that out of my collection. Oh, and uh, <laughs> I did buy um, the 2001 remastered edition of Turbo on Amazon because it was like five bucks. No, but is, there's it a, the double? is it the double? Uh, it's it not. A, it's not. Uh, the reason why I got this one is because there's one track um, on the 2011 remaster that is not on the current remaster with the live album. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, this song was actually supposed to be part of the Twin Turbos project, which we'll get more into that when we talk Turbo. Well, before we get started talking about collection, like, Wayne, you got rid of your CD or tapes. Mm. I regret getting rid of my vinyl. I had tons of vinyl and I couldn't give it away. But it was played so much, it was worthless anyway. You know, I got them as a kid. But now I've been rebuying stuff I used to own on vinyl. And but I'm only buying certain things. I'm not buying everything. I mean, it, it's got to be like, unless it's dirt cheap, I'm not buying everything. So here's another thing I got. Uh, Prince and the Revolution Live. Uh, it's a Blu-ray two-disc edition of a live concert. I guess it aired on MTV or something, but I don't remember it. But I'm a yeah. Prince fan. Is Bambi on that? No, yeah, actually it is. That is my favorite Prince song after Purple Rain. Wait a minute. Hold on. Okay. No, I know you're not, not a Prince fan, Wayne. It's fine. Oh, how could you tell? Uh, uh, cause you, because you, you said posted okay. about it on TikTok. <laughs> and this is the band that makes Wayne throw up anytime he sees them. The monkey. Oh, how did you hate the monkeys? <laughs> I don't hate the monkeys. the monkeys. I loved the that monkeys was... when I was younger. Yeah, I still love the monkeys. You don't like them anymore, Wayne? Um, no, I didn't like I, all the stuff was good, but when they got newer, no, I didn't like the newer stuff. Well, if you don't have any uh, disc, if I find any cheap, I'm going to pick them off. Actually, you. my friend gave me the um, it's a box set of the TV show. I think it's the TV show I got sitting over there. Yeah. I can't reach it, but uh, I haven't watched that yet. But yeah, I used to be. I, I don't know if you saw the story that I told Manny. <laughs> no, well, I uh, love the monkeys because it was like please. the Beatles meets the Marx Brothers. So I loved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I was young. You know, I was a huge monkeys fan. Monkeys was like my first band ever. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I watched the TV shows, you know, the, the repeats or whatever. So uh, I, I thought they were new when they were repeats. <laughs> so did I. But uh, I went to a store. It was a store called Caldor way back in the day. So I uh-huh. went there and I'm, I'm going through the cassette, the, uh, you know, the music section. And I see the new monkey album, uh, Pool It. It's called it was called at the time. I got so excited. I couldn't wait to get home or to go get to the front of the store to go buy it. You know, I get halfway there. All of a sudden I was so excited. I threw up all over the floor in the store. <laughs> Mickey Dolans, he's a fan, and you're the only one still living. By the way, believe it or not, Wayne, that stupid album, Pull It, is worth quite a bit of change on CD. I don't know why. Oh, really? uh, I had the cassette, but, uh, well. Hold on yeah. to that one. Hold on to that one. No, that's gone. That's a long gone. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I don't know what happened. show a couple thing. more. Elton John, 11, uh, November 17, 1970, Symphony, Symphony X, excuse me. That's go. a good Some, one. Something good, finally, yeah. Master nah. <laughs> uh, Simon and Garfunkel, Wayne's band that does not make them throw up. And uh, I bought a lot of these Who um, albums that are live. Grand Rapid, Michigan. It's actually pretty damn good. 
All right, a Rolling Stones bootleg, and I think I'll stop at that. I can only imagine how loud the Who were uh, when you saw them live when it was the original four. I, I, I would, I would defy anyone to not wear earplugs seeing them live. I mean, that was maximum volume. I mean, even oh. if you watch the like the old footage, it's like the, the volume buzzes on the live performance. Oh, you could, yeah, yes. It was, I didn't see him with Keith Moon. He already died, but I saw him like I was 12 years old. I think they had another guy up there playing keyboards or something, but. John Rabbit Bundrick? I think so. Um, he actually was on stage. They didn't hide him like, you know, other bands do. No, the Who never hides their backup musicians. I mean, yeah. I remember watching the Tommy concert in 89 on TV. The whole backing band got as much on screen time as the original uh three uh three members which i thought was great well I, lou lou it was so loud i still remember i was 12 and i've seen motorhead i've seen slayer i but wayne you could feel the static in here i'm not kidding it was that loud yeah I, i'm surprised those guys have any hearing left maybe they don't you know they probably don't i think uh uh townsend is actually deaf in one ear not surprising yeah and it, it, it hurts me knowing that paul gilbert one of my favorite guitar players from racer x notice i said racer x not mr big although i do like mr big i like he's big. got hearing loss so you know but Man, he still hearing, has like one of the best tones that i ever heard speaking of hearing loss i hear wayne has hearing loss because he hates docking all right wayne you want to get started <laughs> i'm gonna get started here's the intro and we're gonna do this without james we'll be right back Welcome to Rat Salad Review. I am joined here today with Hank Hill and Paul Stanley and me, Wayne Noon. I assume I'm Hank Hill? Yes. Oh, you're Paul Stanley. How you doing, people? You're either Hank Hill or uh, what's that other guy's name? Eddie Trunk. It's a show about nothing. What? Eddie Trunk. Fuck no, you. Hill, <laughs> and fuck Eddie Trunk. God, God oh damn it, God. Bobby. I can't believe you would even say that guy's name on our show. <laughs> yeah, we listen to music past 1989. That is true. What does that guy know? Absolutely Actually, nothing. I, I'm friends with the guys in UFO. Duh. I'm friends with Ace Freely. Good for you, Grimace. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, something cool. Uh, one of the guys on our network from the, um, what is that, Metal Thrashing Nerd podcast? Oh, Metal, Metal Mike, right? Yep, he's he might be getting Michael Schenker on his show. Wow, wow. Big, so, uh, big deal. That's man, a big a, deal. That is big, I'm going to look out for that. I, I know it's in the works. I don't know. Hopefully, I didn't just spoil something, but uh, yeah. Hopefully not. No, I, I did, too bad. I'm actually going to see Michael Schenker in October. Um, he's got uh, Eric Martin of Mr. Big. Funny enough, we were just talking about Mr. Big before. Uh, as the direct support and opening the show are my friends in the band, pavement recording artists, Images of Eden. 
Congrats, oh. guys. Very Who's cool. For Shanker, Doogie White. No, it's Ronnie Romero from uh, Rainbow. I, say, I thought he was going to say that. Ronnie Monroe. <laughs> okay. okay. Ronnie <laughs> Monroe. Wrong Ronnie. I thought you were going to say Monroe. That guy's done a bunch of projects since Rainbow. I mean, that guy's all over the place. Well, yeah, I guess it hurts to have, uh, uh, regardless of what people think of that of that lineup of Rainbow, you know, being associated with Richie Blackmore apparently still does hold credence in the hard rock world. So good for yeah. him. He's a great, great talent. Well, Richie Blackmore is no, he's not going to hire some slouch. You know? No. You know you notice I'm not in Rainbow, so there you go. Anyway. <laughs> or Blackmore's Night. But you are in Kiss, so everything was okay. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Now I don't have to work so hard because I just... How many people out so there like vodka and orange juice? I don't have to work my vocals. You don't. <laughs> All right. Let's get on with the show. Uh, James is running late. I don't know what's going on. And uh, Greg, maybe he's watching, but we hope you feel better. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, get some uh, herbal tea, maybe get some, uh, I don't know, uh, go make an oatmeal bath, uh, do something, just get better. Uh, yeah, get better. Okay. Oh, is that for um, chicken pox? I, I, he has a migraine, not chicken pox. Oh, so oatmeal bath wouldn't help. I wouldn't know. I've never taken an oatmeal bath. <laughs> How about Calgon? They still make Calgon. Calgon, take me away. I drink yeah. Ovaltine. Anyways, let's go. Ovaltine might help, yeah. Uh, Judas Priest screaming for vengeance. Eighth album released in 1982, the first time the same drummer played on more than two albums. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Oh, and I I wrote here, do you still hate Dave Holland, Lou? (laughs) (laughs) He sounds good on this record. He does. Um, It spawned. Not as stiff. No. Uh, He spawned the single, You Got Another Thing Coming. Uh, which was a last minute addition to the album. Uh, and as of the 30th anniversary in 2012, it's the top selling release in their career. Really? It's their biggest single? Uh, biggest album. Oh, oh Screaming for Vengeance is their biggest album. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So for me, uh, personally, I think this is the best artwork they've had since Sad Wings. Uh, I, I love that eagle. Uh, it's called something. The Hellion, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I love that artwork. Looks awesome on the shirt, too. I have the T-shirt. Um, but uh, this is will probably be the shortest show uh, during this whole battle because we have three albums that uh, show the bands uh, being at the top of their game. Uh, Screaming for Vengeance for me is where Priest really got their shit together. Uh, you got the opening the Hellion with both guitars doing a medley together and the drums just crashing so simple, but really puts an image in your head that the band's going to rip right into probably their best opening track of any album, The Electric Eye. Uh, Rob is kind of laid back a bit on here on the vocals, uh, which fits with the song perfectly, but the music itself is packed with energy and catchy from beginning to end. Uh, Riding on the Wind continues with keeping the album going at fast pace. I have no clue as to what the hell Dave Holland is doing in the intro of this thing, but uh, it's pretty cool and it works with the song. And uh, this is where Rob starts to let loose a little bit on the vocals. Bloodstone brings the album down a little bit in tempo. Uh, but it's a great song. I just have no idea what the hell is Bloodstone. Anybody know? No. No idea, but we don't care because it's awesome. Oh, yeah, it is freeze. awesome. Next. Did my, did my camera freeze? Your camera froze. It did freeze. And, and it sounds face, like Dave right? Holland's doing like a 6 eighth time over a 4 4 beat. Because, uh, you know, the song is like 1 2 3 4, 1 2 3 4. He's doing 1 of the 4 is 1 of the 4 is 1 of the 4 is 1 of the like that. And, you know, it's probably Tom. Uh, Tom Olam uh, probably taught him that because uh, he just plays like 
You know, I'm surprised we never even discussed Tom Allen's uh, production on the Priest albums, but let's discuss the album first. Weighing your cameras back. Yeah, no. Um, I think this is actually probably the, the best Priest album at this point. The sound, best sounding album. I agree. You know, yeah, okay. I won't deny that. Yeah. Uh, Take These Chains, the ballad of the album, probably the best ballad they've done up to this point. Dave Holland really stands out a lot on this to me. There's a lot of fills throughout the song, and he's keeping it upbeat. Uh, Pain and Pleasure, probably the only song on the album I don't care for much. Uh, Screaming for Vengeance, uh, Rob lets it rip vocally here, as well as the whole band. This brings the album back up to a faster tempo, and again, probably some of Dave's best drumming. Uh, you got another thing coming. I don't care who you are. You know this song, or at least you've heard it in a grocery store somewhere. And no matter how much you've heard it, you still sing along to it because you know it's a cool song. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fever, oh. another ballad, a little slower than uh, Take These Chains. This is kind of a uh, similarity to earlier Priest's albums, like something from Rock and Roll or Sad Wings. A uh, decent song. And Devil's Child, another great song. I like the drum stumbles between the verses. Uh, they like come out of nowhere. Um, the song, I like the the, this song, like on the previous two albums, has a bit of an ACDC influence in it, where the band backs up some of the uh, Rob's vocals in the verses, and even in the chorus, uh, seems very Brian Johnson era ACDC. Uh, great ending to the album. So I love Screaming for Vengeance. Manny. Manny. All right. This is the first Judas Priest album I bought as a brand new release. I was 12 years old. Because you've got another thing coming, I loved it. I still love the album to this day. Um, I agree with Wayne. It's the best sounding Judas Priest album in their discography to this point. Uh, it's probably Tom Allen's best production overall in, in uh, his career, at least with Judas Priest, because he produced a number of albums in there. Yeah. And then I think, too, this album was recorded the same place that the point of entry was recorded in, too, right? It was. Yeah, yeah. it was. This album oh, it was recorded in Ibiza, Spain. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that one was this album. And so was the next album, Defenders. They're all recorded in the same place. Yeah, it's it's the the sound is excellent. I agree with you, Tom. Uh, uh, Tom Dave Holland as the would win the most improved player award if there was such a thing for, right. yeah, because he really he really pushed himself, and sadly that would be the last time he would push himself, you know, musically at least in my opinion. Yeah, um, you know, I, I love this album. The only song I don't care for is uh, Fever. Uh, I just think it's a little too gimmicky. It sounds like a fill-in. Uh, Take These Chains I like a lot. Um, I think that was written by uh, Bob Halligan or whatever his name is. He he wrote a couple songs for Judas Priest. Yeah, You Got Another Thing Coming was one of them. No, they wrote that one. Bob Halligan wrote that one. And the ne- album, uh, the next one, Some Heads Are Gonna Roll. Correct. Oh. Yeah. Take These Chains, I believe he wrote. I'm not sure. Was it Take These Chains or? Let me check real quick. Keep yeah, talking, Manny. Oh, All right, James. Take these, James. James. What you see him? I don't see. I don't see I him. Added, I just added him now. There he ah. is. Hey, there's James, the voice of God. Yes. Hey, Happy birthday. Here, here is me. <laughs> What's the up, birthday big boy? Baby Jesus, how you doing? Hey. Hello, birthday it's right, boy. It's all right, brother and body of Christ, body of Christ, body of Christ. No, you're the father worst, of the worst, James, you were the worst Catholic ever. That was terrible. Anyway, I'm not a Catholic, so ha ha. Well, well, that explains a lot. Lutheran? No. Atheist? Atheist? No. Uh, no. Protestant? No. Jewish? 
Oh, uh, technically oh, Protestant, yes. Oh, so it's Catholic <laughs> without all the guilt. We got it. Okay. No, 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 Pro- no, no, no. It's a uh, Seventh Day Adventist. It's even worse. My condolences. Anyways, Manny, you were right. Uh, take these chains. Soul track on the album written by Bob Halligan Jr. Who who is Bob Halligan Jr.? Well, I don't know. He wrote like a couple of songs with Judas Priest and then fucked off into the uh, you know, you know, great unknown. Well, he did yeah. make a reappearance with Priest on, uh, well, with Rob Halford on his Resurrection album. He did? And, oh, my God. He wrote the worst song ever in the Kiss discography, Read My Body. Oh, yeah, that song blows ass. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. no, that song sucks. And uh, Swallows. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that that is horrible. But he did Another- write... Beat him up on Blue Oyster Cult's Club Ninja. I do like that, that a track. Bad song. Come on. Yeah, but I liked it. I mean, come on. You, do you really? Okay, wait, 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 wait. Look, 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 look. Do you think there's any Greg. bad song in Club Ninja? Yeah, I see. You yeah. guys are insane. I hate that album, and you guys love that Club Ninja album. I think it's terrible. I just like the song. <laughs> I just said Beat Him Up was a good song. No, it isn't. Obviously, you've been you've been smoking out with Greg because that's a terrible song. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we must be sending freaking smoke signals to each other via Navajos, because I swear to God, if I was smoking, you smoking, I'd probably be a lot happier. Besides, by the way, happy belated birthday, James. I know I already wished you, but, you know, uh, a, good, uh, a happy birthday to you. Good, sir. Yes. 38, 38 revolutions around this big glowing uh, sun. And um, I enjoyed the Brazilian steakhouse experience last night with my wife. And now I'm drinking the good tequila. You're, ah. you're still a youngster, James. You're still a youngster. Yeah, that's what I've heard. That's what people yeah. tell me. But yet, these, you know, the back and the knees don't say so. Well, Drink Ovaltine. No, I don't. <laughs> okay, an, little Annie, little orphan Annie Dakota ring. Hey, hey James, get rid of, get ready. You were discussing Scream for Vengeance, so get your notes out. Yeah, oh, Mad- I, oh, oh, okay. All righty. So, well, hold on, hold on. Maddie's not done yet. Yeah, done done yet. Well, I'm just, just, I'm basically done. I'm just basically agreeing with Wayne. I love the album. It's probably one of my favorite Judas Priest albums, if not my favorite. Uh, it's got a huge uh, nostalgic hold on me um, still. And uh, I just love the album. And overall, lyrically, it's definitely better than the last two albums. I should add that too. Um, it's, the only silly track on there is Pain and Pleasure. I think he was trying too hard for the S&M type, you know, song. Um, Devil's Child, what I really love about that is that part where Rob Halford just loses it vocally and just sings that high note that, you know, only dogs can hear is incredible. Um, <laughs> and that's the one that made it on the Filthy 15, right? Yeah, I did, it, which is ridiculous. But whatever. Anyway, I great album overall. Love it. Wayne, who goes next? Uh, let's have James go next. Yes, please. And, and I wrote that James too about that. Why did I not? Wait. Well, See, I, and and actually, never mind. Actually, I enjoyed Take These Chains. So I actually really enjoyed this album. And, and, I, and I know this is uh, going to be kind of weird coming into this, but this was this was definitely out of the two. This was my more favorite version. Just, uh, before I forget, uh, Pain and Pleasure was not part of the thir- uh, Filthy 13. It wasn't? No, no uh, Devil's Child was. No, not Devil's Devil. Child either. It's the next album. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It. No, that's Eat Me Alive, which is on the next yes, album. Right. So that's that's the one. Okay, that one, and yes, that one definitely has to be DSM. Anyway, anywho, um, <laughs> The Hellion. I like the intro. I think it was really cool. Electric Eye, and I was like, oh, we're playing fast now. Okay, it's good, though. I enjoyed it. Um, riding, riding on the Wind, Wish You Could Have Sung Lower. 
<laughs> I, I knew it. I, this, I knew this it. Is where, yeah, this is where he starts getting a little screamy. You so. weren't too keen on the high-pitched singing? Yes. No, I, I don't. I, Make I don't up like, your mind. Yeah, I know, right? Jeez, <laughs> it's not like I haven't always been saying this. Anyway, um, <laughs> Pain and Pleasure, or excuse me, uh, hold on, I got this. Uh, Bloodstone, good song. It's not bad. It's not great. It's a good song. Uh, Take These Chains, kind of a weird love song. <laughs> <laughs> uh pain and pleasure cool song with some crazy lyrics uh screaming for vengeance rob halford gets a pa- pass because it's the title track uh but it's very power metally it felt like so i felt like this is the kind of the genesis of power metal a little bit or 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 you know took some inspiration from it got another thing coming obviously everybody everybody knows that song uh fever i thought it was too slow i did i didn't like it. i thought it was a little too plotting for him Devil's Child, another hair metal song from from bands that I don't. I, I just, I was never a big hair metal fan. I know this is much to the chagrin of of mutual friends of ours, but uh, I've never been the biggest hair metal fan, and I've I had like a lot of. Either. Yeah, I got a big hair metal fan, and then Prisoner in Your Eyes. Ah, oh, a love song, <laughs> <laughs> which I think was first released by Halford on his. Uh, live insurrection record the uh, he took a couple of unreleased priest songs and recorded them as a um during sound checks and that was one of them prisoner in your eyes isn't meant for screaming for vengeance was it it was meant for screaming for vengeance but it got renamed and reworked for the next album okay okay and then they released it on the remaster on 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 screaming it it was meant for defenders no it was meant for screaming but they never finished it. Yeah, uh, and it was not released on Defenders. It was, but they reworked it. As Rock Hard Ride Free, right? Yes, oh, yes. Okay. Ah, that would make sense. So yeah, we'll, get, we'll get to, we'll get to Defenders when we get there. But yeah, I liked it. I thought it was a good album. It was definitely the more favor of the three that we had to deal with this week. I absolutely agree. So, Interesting. Hey, uh, Wayne Liu, uh, on James' comment, uh, the genesis of power metal. You agree? Yeah. What was this? 80, 82. 82. 82. 82. So, yeah, because there wasn't, Power Metal didn't exist. So, yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah. that, that was more of a question for that because I was like, is this the Power Metal Genesis? Because obviously you guys are way more versed in the 80s than I am. Well, uh, hence, hence I was because I was born in ha- well, halfway through it. So, you mean, you mean like European Power Metal, right? Because there's a difference between European Power Metal and United States Power Metal. Listen, boy, we were just talking about power metal. Yeah, we're just talking about power metal there, freaking gatekeeper. People get confused. I mean, Uh, honestly, I mean, I I think power metal, I think, I guess I see more European because I think, you know, like Sabadon and and more like Halloween and stuff like that. Yeah, that's that's more power metal-ish, so... I had to work. Uh, I had to work another Halloween reference in there for for Wayne. So. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I, but- I mean, just just the fact that the tribute album itself, like most of the European power metal bands, um, covered songs from this album. You know, Halloween especially because they did Hellion Electric Eye, and they did a great version of it. Mm. You know, um, I mean, Riding on the Wind. I heard a Swedish black metal band cover it. I heard Witchery cover it. Um, I'm not gonna go through the list, but uh, you know, yeah, I mean, please don't, please. There, there, there's a lot, but yeah, James, I, I would agree with you. It was definitely influential in the European power metal movement. 
And I could, I could just, I just, as soon as I heard it, I was like, "This is a power metal song," and I'm not sure power metal, power metal was there yet. Not yet. Uh, Murphy's in the chat. He says Judas Priest started power metal. So many bands copied their style. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Well, there's another guy who agrees with you, James. I agree with you too. I just never occurred to me till you just said it truthfully. Oh. Well, and then, and you know that's the that's the thing. Like you guys have probably heard this album a million times, whereas this is the first time I actually sat down and listened to an album. Mm-hmm. You're right. You you have a good point on that too. All right, Lou, go. So interesting. My brother did have this on cassette, but I never really listened to it until 1993 when I was listening to WSOU. There was a DJ by the name of Top Jimmy who played uh, rare tracks, B-sides, live cuts. Uh, He was every Friday night from like 8 to midnight. And the track that he played was off the Priest Live album. It was Hellion Electric Eye. Excuse me. I immediately fell in love with it. And that's what made me pick up my brother's cassette copy of Screaming for Vengeance and just listening to it on repeat. Now, I've said in the past, Black Sabbath invented heavy metal and Judas Priest perfected heavy metal. And this album, I think, is proof positive that they released like the perfect heavy metal album. And to go along with what you were saying, James, yeah, it completely influenced the European power metal scene, but you know, it influenced thrash bands, it influenced um, speed metal bands. I mean, I, I know before we went on air, I was talking about Racer X. They get lumped in with the, with the hair metal thing, which I think is completely unfair. I mean, you know. No, because I like Racer X. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you do. Okay. I mean, you know, not to mention they covered a priest song. They covered uh, Heart of a Lion, which, you know, we'll get to that when we discuss uh, Turbo. And they did a killer job of it. But and, and on top of that, Scott Travis, the drummer of Racer X, is now in Priest and has been since 1990. So, yeah, I mean, all the bands, all the genres that they influenced in their wake from this one album, it's in my top 10 uh, favorite Priest records. Um, Hellion Electric Eye, you know, I'm sorry. They both go together. I know every time they're released on a compilation, they're released as two separate tracks. But no, they go together. They really do. Uh, Riding on the Wind, great, great song. Uh, love Bloodstone, but even I don't know what the hell it means. I mean, I've heard of the terminology, draw blood from a stone. So, right you know, like tomato, tomato, whatever. Um, take These Chains, I I, I loved. Uh, other favorite tracks, obviously, the title track, Screaming for Vengeance. And you got another thing coming. I mean, I remember as a wee lad watching this on, you know, the Power Hour on U68 um yeah you know on my old uhf television set and uh seeing it and thinking i was like you know i I was really attracted by the the lights that were going off i thought that was cool and you know good lighting and metal to me went together like you know good metal and uh australian car chase exploitation films like you know like mad max (laughs) so you know come on It did not suck to be a kid in the 80s. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. And uh, I love Devil's Child. So and and this album drew so much success for Priest. I mean, you know, one of the main acts of the Us Festival in 83 
Hey, Poochie, how you doing? She's, it's lightning, so if you see the dog, she's a little scared. It looks pretty nice today I don't, behind you. I don't know. Well, I mean, look look at all those nice mountains. Over yeah, I don't see no lightning. Yeah. Country road, take my home. That's West Sorry. Virginia. That's different. We do Copperhead Road down here. Uh, Bloodstone is known as a stone of courage. In ancient times, bloodstones were believed to be magical stones. Warriors I'm glad you looked that up for me. Warriors used to carry bloodstone amulets with them to help stop bleeding from their wounds and protect them from the evil eye. <gasps> the electric eye. You know, Rob Halford. I guess, oh, Rob Halford's such a good singer. He can sing about anything and I'll buy it. Yeah, bloodstone sounds good to me. I didn't know what it meant. I just <laughs> thought it was so messed up that K.K. Downing said that he first heard Rob Halford sing when he was in the bathroom singing Doris Day. <laughs> that story's been going around forever and finally rob halford just said no that's bullshit in fact i quote rob halford so please don't take offense when i say uh, say this anyone but he said if anything could be gayer than that i'd shoot myself in the effing head and um you know <laughs> poor rob i mean we love him we love rob halford um but i i will say this first time i ever saw a priest um 2004 Ozfest. My wife and I, she was my girlfriend at the time. You know, I played her a couple of priest songs, you know, the hits, the stuff that you would find on the uh, right. greatest hits collections. So, you know, it kind of gave her an idea of what to expect. So it was a beautiful day, that entire day, um, you know. And all of a sudden, priests, you know, they're getting ready. They're moving their stage set on. on. And the next thing you know, it turns dark gray. And it starts raining and thundering and lightning right as they start electric eye. And <laughs> I swear, the impact of the music and the performance and the thunder and lightning, I was like, if I died now, I could say I saw the greatest fucking heavy metal concert ever <laughs> in my whole life. That was that was like me with uh, when when I got to see Gavin Rossdale live in in the rain and thunder and lightning and all that stuff. It just there are certain bands that just fit in a lightning storm with that. I know that they're not the same, but I thought it was really cool seeing that. I wish he was Gavin Rossdale, yeah. Judas Priest. Yeah. I said there's differences. <laughs> I said there's differences. However, it was more Bush songs. It was all Bush. It was not him. It was I, wish, uh, I wish oh, Gavin yeah, was holding yeah. a metal rod in that lightning storm. But, uh, anyway, <laughs> he can't get electrocuted. He was out there with a freaking electric guitar on the top of an amp during a lightning storm. Oh, God. Oh, my so, goodness. We were but close. We were close. E- even my wife thought they were amazing. And I was just like, are you just saying that because you, you're shaken up by the thunder and lightning? She's like, no, that was cool. <laughs> hey, I, people who've seen Judas Priest who don't even like that kind of music are amazed by them as live performers. Just so. I guess there's just one of those bands. There's not many bands like that. Like I, you know, but it, anyway, it's, it says something about those classic bands that just they have that that presence on stage. Yeah, um, I, I remember seeing like and seeing Ozzy, you know, in in '03. You know, he's definitely not his prime. You know, he's a little strung out, but he still goes out there and fucking just goes at it. And I was just like, this is so much better than like. And no, it was no offense to Chevelle or Corn or Disturbed, but it was freaking, it, it's Ozzy out there. It's just a different class of, of performer. I will say to his credit, when I saw Ozzy with Sabbath the same year that I saw Priest yeah. at Ozfest, that was the best I've ever seen him perform. And he was right off his ATV accident. 
And, you know, I mean, he was on pitch. He was on point. He was on time. Um, you know, 2004, I'd have to say that, you know, I, I was like, I hope Ozzy's on an upward trajectory of this. But uh, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Ozzy got an Ozzy. Ozzy was back to being Ozzy within a matter of months. Ooh, Jared. Well, you know, Ozzy claims he's uh, that he finds Tony Iommi intimidating, so maybe that's why you saw such a good show. I mean, <laughs> I'm serious. He's claimed that for years, and I think that's part of the why he has such mixed feelings. Iommi apparently Iommi's a pretty, uh, you know, not intimidating, but a pretty powerful presence. I, I that sounds corny, but I don't know how else to put it. You know, I've had the pleasure of meeting him twice, and he was a perfect gentleman. Is he? Is uh, Ozzy describe him as the intimidating guy or well I'll put it to you this way Tony Iommi looked me dead in the face I could say that about him I could say that about Geezer I could say that about Ronnie rest in peace and I could say that about Vinny I can't say that about Ozzy and I met all of them so well Ozzy probably looked you in the face just didn't realize it no he wasn't he was just signing books like not acknowledging people so uh, Murphy says he saw Rob sing for Sabbath at Ozfest Oh, so you saw the next well, day at PNC Bank Art Center, possibly. I'm not sure where he's from. And he also saw the uh, Turbo Tour, and he missed Defenders. Uh, all right, let's move along to Defenders of the Faith. Ninth studio album released 1984 of January. Eat Me Alive was listed as number three on the Parents Music Resource Center's Filthy 15. A list of 15 songs <laughs> the organization found most object objectionable. Uh, PMRC co-founder Tibber Gore, everybody's favorite woman, uh, stated the song was about oral sex at gunpoint. Uh, this album is a little similar to Screaming for Vengeance, uh, where they keep the songs upbeat, catchy, and to the point. The opening track, Free Will, Burning, uh, Free Will Burning, opens the album similar to Screaming, where it's fast opener. Uh, I have no idea what Rob says in those fast-talking parts, but it's uh, one of my favorite parts in the whole song. Uh, Jawbreaker keeps the fast pace going with another great song. I love the way the pre-chorus builds up. Rock Hard, Ride Free. Uh, what a great song about rock music and motorcycles. <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly what it's about. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's what it's about, Wayne. You think so? Oh. Sure. Yeah. Rock Hard, Ride Free. What? Okay. Oh, now I know what you... You bastard. Anyway. <laughs> Bad news for oh, you, Wayne. No. Apparently, this this is the song that inspired George Lynch to write "Into the Fire." So, ha. <laughs> are, are you saying that Rob Halford had a double entendre in his songs? I, I'm not sure about this one. I really think it's about motorcycles. Holy shit! I don't think he would do anything like that. Now, if it's Rob Halford, it's a triple entendre. That's good. Yeah. Let's keep going. Yeah, go that way. The, the Sentinel, my favorite Judas Priest song. The screeching guitars during the uh, chorus, the vocal melody for the chorus uh, just worked well together. Really like the trade-off of guitar solos as well. Just a kick-ass song. Love you bites. like Van Halen. So what? So does Lou. It's his favorite band. You just made fun of Lou. Yeah, yeah. No, Van Halen's not my favorite band. Right, like second favorite, my favorite band. I don't, whatever. You like Van, Van Halen's Halen. in my top Cause that, five. Because the Sentinel does, it's a Van, Sentinel's a Van Halen song. Oh, well, no, well, it's not. I don't think James it was your turn James, yet, was it? Yeah, was well, it wait till James' turn and we'll listen to him. I'm here. I'm interested. All right, yeah. go ahead. Well, we don't care anymore. Uh, Love Bites, Def Leppard wishes their song was this good. I'm assuming Michael Jackson stole that intro for the song, too, because this came out before Bad. He did. 
because he sucks. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, I used to not be a big fan of this song because it uh, really doesn't do much. But over the years, it's grown on me. Uh, one of my favorite parts is the guitar that 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 little fading thing in the in the, in the background there. Uh, and I like how that goes into the solo. Eat me alive, up tempo song. Not one of the one of my favorites, but uh, not terrible. I I like the chorus. Some good back and forth guitar solos. Some heads are gonna roll. Uh, great song love rob's vocals on this one because uh, where the guitars are just doing simple chugging he adds melody over that with the vocals alone uh night when uh, the night comes down my favorite ballad they've ever done i really love the way the chorus comes in after that main part of the song it's kind of low and it builds up and sounds really big uh in the in the chorus and uh in front of those guitars uh, heavy duty someone must have been listening to billy squire the stroke on this one they just decided to really slow it down not a terrible song but it leads right into defenders of the faith which again they go back to trying to make some stupid anthem uh i'll just let it slide since the rest of the album is as good as it is james now you may go all right so uh obviously did not like this as much as Stringing for vengeance but uh free will burning i uh, like the echo very hard charging i do not like fast talking rob halford it just it doesn't oh work. man that's so cool that's i know the shock coolest part dude but anyway no no no, no, no. yeah exactly um jawbreaker sorry yeah exactly uh jawbreaker interesting sound a lot like uh iron maiden but with different guitar licks i i saw like this is the biggest like similarity song i got out of everything um rock hard rock free very 80s sound to me just i was just like okay this sounds like the 80s um it is the 80s james (laughs) hey remember they are the trendsetters not the ones that follow the trend pre-started that shit anyway regardless all right i'm just i'm telling what i feel all right the sentinel it's the 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 guitars don't really sound like fucking van halen i i i don't i just everything i hear i hear van halen you can shake your head all you want lou i'm still you're not going to change my mind name one song it reminds you of uh eruption eruption is a guitar solo not a song (laughs) it reminds me of a guitar solo all right uh, <laughs> you're not gonna change my mind wrong you tell me i'm wrong i don't care bite me exactly <laughs> bite me a pass all right so manny here you go for this one love bites juice priest shouldn't try to be alice cooper all i can hear alice. Is good. exactly see there you go they should not try to be alice cooper that's why i didn't like this song it sounds like bad alice cooper eat me alive more of this shit like this fucking song. This is the best song of the damn album. More like this. I fuck Chipper Gore for that reason. All right. She she's fuck Carthens Tennessee. Anyway, some heads are gonna roll. I think it was filler. I think it was meh. Night comes down. Have I dis- have I expressed my dislike for Judas Priest doing ballads? Because because I can. Not enough. Not enough. Because that was it was fucking terrible. They should never do them ever again. However, I have a feeling that's foreshadowing. I'm gonna have to hear a lot more of that. And then uh, Heavy Duty, BDSM song, hell yeah, fuck yeah, bring more of this shit on. We need to talk more about BDSM. And then Defenders of the Faith was just, yeah, yeah. kind of let down. 
You tell me I'm wrong, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Take the fuck. This ain't Family Feud. You ain't Steve Harvey. You don't Everybody wear good says suits. You're wrong. Manny, go ahead. This ain't the McCarthy Hour. Fucking you keep saying wrong. All right. Well, the McCarthy McLaughlin. Oh, McLaughlin. Who can do? For me, all right. I'm 38. That's fucking old. How do you remember the McLaughlin group that you said? They're all dead, aren't they? Anyway, <laughs> probably as they yeah. should be. Well, PJ O'Rourke's still alive, but fuck him anyway. Uh, Murphy's favorite yeah. song is Free Will Burning, it's one of his favorite of all time. I love Defenders of the Faith, but it suffers in comparison to Screaming for Vengeance. It sounds like a direct sequel. Mm. Something Judas Priest never really did is really try to blueprint the album previous. Even the artwork is similar um, to the previous album. Um, I don't think the production is as good, personally. Well, I, I, with the artwork, I think they were trying to make some kind of like mascot type thing. Yeah, I think so too, and I don't yeah. think it worked. Because know? on the back, there was like some kind of thing about uh, the, the other thing was the Hellion. This was the Defender or something like yeah, that. Something, and they tried to make yeah. some kind of story about it, which the Judas Priest don't need The stories. Metallion. Metallic, yes, thank you. Oh, thank you. Actually, live though, they had a it was a pretty cool stage set if you've ever seen the um the tour, you know, footage from this tour. Um so I didn't see this tour. Um it's one of the few times my mom put her foot down. You're not seeing someone named Judas Priest, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But um, why? Well, being a Catholic, I guess she didn't like the name Judas. And, you know, I tried to tell her a Christian band. She didn't buy that. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't think seeing Rob Halford first time you think Christian. But... What, leather? That's as Christian as it gets. Anyway, back to, hey, no. you know, um, I like Defenders a lot. I, I kind of agree with Wayne's point. Every song is good. Heavy Duty and the title track. Those songs, they can stick up their ass. Talk about filler. I mean, Defenders of the Faith. What is that? I, oh, that's terrible. And I love the album. Some Heads Are Gonna Roll. I don't love that song. It's a little too poppy for me. It's ironic. I'm saying that considering where we're going with the next studio album. But is it a good song? Yeah, it's well written. And I agree with you. What saves a song is Rob Halford adding that extra melody that probably didn't exist till prior he got a hold of that song to sing um lyrically it's still a strong album eat me alive is definitely uh would, this is where greg would have been handy it, it shows uh rob halford's sense of humor like he said it's definitely tongue-in-cheek same thing with um love bites and i love that song love bites i never thought about the alice cooper thing but i kind of get where you're coming from uh, that atmospheric you know alice type thing that he would do when he went solo overall a great album, but not as good as Screaming for Benson's, in my opinion. And production, not as good. Blue. This is my favorite Judas Priest album ever. Wow. Um, this is the one that I remember to, I remember listening to first as a kid from start to finish. Uh, my brother Mike, God rest his soul, he had the cassette and I loved it. So that being said, you know it's my number one, but I will be objective and I will discuss the songs. So Free Will Burning, love this song, but it is the worst song to listen to if you're stuck in traffic on the Long Island Expressway. (laughs) Uh, Jawbreaker, my favorite hard rock candy song, which you know that's not what it's about. (laughs) Work with me here. Uh, Rock Hard, Ride Free, uh, love the song. I made a mistake. 
uh, George Lynch of Dokka was not influenced by that song to write Into the Fire. It was actually Some Heads Are Gonna Roll, which is not written by any of the members of Judas Priest. That one was written by um, Bob Halligan Jr. However, it is the one song that I listened to as a kid that really stuck out when I heard the album. You know, I was like four or five years old when I first heard it. So can you imagine little me at four or five years old going, some heads are gonna roll like that. That was me. I was that kid. I have no shame admitting that. Uh, the Sentinel. Oh, Jesus Christ. Best song on the fucking album. Oh, shocker. And it is nothing like Van Halen. You can keep fucking saying it. I can still get a I'm telling you, it's a drum. fact. It is not. Man, it's, James, where are you getting Van Halen from? Van Halen never wrote a song like that. Ever. You can keep saying it. I'm going to keep fucking saying it. I don't give a shit. I think you're saying it just to fuck with us. I think so, too. <laughs> hey, where do you get Van Halen from? I don't I, hear I, Van I Halen. I oh. really don't hear it. But I'm moving right along, except one thing. Fuck Machine Head and their stupid poser-ass cover of oh, it. Oh, I like so, that cover. No, fuck you, Rob Flynn, because you know what? You ditched metal because you thought it wasn't cool. You had those stu- that stupid spiky-ass hairdo in 99. I didn't forget, and I ain't forgiven. We'll be right along. <laughs> you really feel, Lou. Shit. Yeah, Lou, what, how do you feel? Oh, eh, he's okay. No. <laughs> love Bites. I'll Christmas cards later on. It's okay. Love Bites. As much as I love the song off Hysteria, I do prefer Judas Priest's version. Um, by the way, uh, I have to correct you, Wayne. Um, that intro, it's not reminiscent of Bad. It's actually reminiscent of Beat It. Yeah, get, get, your Michael Jack- get your Michael Jackson right. But it was on bed. That's that's what I meant. No, beat it oh, was no, on thriller. thriller. No, beat it's on What thriller. the hell do I know? Right. That was 82. Sorry. This is 84. Actually, I should just quit the show. Nah. <laughs> I, I come in peace. Uh eat me alive. My only comment for this is fuck Tipper Gore and the PMRC. Uh it's a good song. And uh honestly, they I'm I thank God they're not around anymore and screw them all for trying to ruin good rock music for all the fans in the first place. Um, Some heads are going to roll. As I explained, I loved it. Uh, Night Comes Down. Definitely a a great ballad. Not my favorite ballad that they've ever done, uh, but I do love it. And as far as I'm concerned, the album should have ended at that. Right. Uh, And, you know, if anything, Heavy Duty, Defenders of the Faith, you should have combined it one as one song and then thrown it off. <laughs> yes. It should have just been those eight songs and you would have had a perfect a- album. Night Comes Down would have been the perfect closer for this record. That's what I'm saying they keep trying to make that arena rock like anthem song. It just, it, they just fail every time. Stop well, doing you, it. You've got another thing coming, Living After Midnight. No, I mean, but like they always had to, like those chanting songs. What was the one that was on the last album? Uh, it just got that, like, um, Red, White, and Blue. United, yeah, what, well, that was from a different album. What, like um, United? United, yeah. I should yeah. like United, though, but I know what you're saying. I like but United a lot more than this one. <laughs> but United and um, God, Taking on the World, you know, I think they were trying to, like, be like Queen. Let's write right. an anthem, guys, because Queen did. And that's my opinion. Now, the funny thing is about the tour, you know, aside from like the Italian being the uh, mascot that they have behind them. um, This is the the, when they headline Madison Square Garden. And apparently the fans went into such a frenzy that they ripped the seats out of 
the Madison Square Garden uh, arena. They ripped the seats right out. They went crazy. And apparently there's a photo where you could see like the foam and stuff like that from the seats everywhere. So as a result of that, Judas Priest has since been banned from ever performing at Madison Square Garden. This is in 1984. 1990, when they were on break from the uh, Painkiller Tour, K.K. Downing and uh, Glenn Tipton, who are both tennis players and fans, I think they had the U.S. Open or something. It was a tennis match at Madison Square Garden. So they had to come in incognito with like hooded sweatshirts and sunglasses on so no one would recognize them. One of the security guards or one of the ushers goes up to us, goes up to them and says, thanks for the new seats. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, like everything in priests, very cheeky. But that that's my summation of Defenders of the Faith, my favorite priest album of all time. And um, I was talking with Greg about it at one point and he said um that he recently uh re-listened to it and realized there was a lot more songs on it that he loved that he remembered so i i think he would think very highly of these two but we'll hear what he has to say next week when he's recuperated again best wishes greg yeah, who cares um, oh, God, such a dick <laughs> No, I kidding. I love Greg. Uh, I I, I, my friend from work, he's watching, and uh, unfortunately, he's got to leave soon. But uh, he agreed with the stage being sick. He said that it was an awesome looking stage. But uh, he agrees with me, Manny, and and Lou on the Sentinel and uh, James. He's like Van Halen. You're nuts. There is no Van oh, Halen. And your point? Uh, I'm just telling you. Just, there's no Van Halen. Yeah, I don't, your opinion is invalid, sir. James, and, uh, I, I don't hear it. I mean, do you know what Van Halen sounds like? I'm just thinking, even very even, much so. Even and with I know the, what Van Hagar sounds like too. And we will uh, not discuss the, Van Hagar. Even in the Sammy Hagar era, I don't. Well, they would have never written any. Sammy would have a heart attack, but it's not about food like or this. sex. Sammy can't write about it, anyways. Anyway, you I'm glad I finally said something that triggered all three of you guys. It's you know what? I, I feel better now. It's not that you're triggered us, it's just your point doesn't make are any you, sense. Are you are you are you sure I'm not triggered because you sound no, pretty because triggered? Because it doesn't sound I just can't figure out what part <laughs> you think sounds like Van Halen. The guitars just sound like Van Halen to me. It's they okay. sound nothing like Van you Halen. You can keep saying this, it's not gonna change my mind. <laughs> you well, can't uh, go higher than me. That, but Yes, I can. I can start doing the Ralph Halford shits. All right, fine. <laughs> you want a uh, higher register than me? I'll give you that. But you're wrong. <laughs> uh, Murphy says the clunkers are heavy duty and defenders. The whole rest of the album is killer. You know, we what? all agree. Yeah, heavy, we all yeah, agree. Heavy duty is freaking awesome. So That's some... <laughs> I like that song. Uh, Iron Maiden, Power Slave, released September 1984. Features the long... Oh, wait. I got... I got yeah. this, and you kind of see it in the background, but yeah, I got the, uh, that's the really figure cool, thing. Am I the only <laughs> jackass that takes his Funko Pops out of the boxes? Yes. yes. Uh, and you could have stopped you're the only jackass. <laughs> I, mean, at least collect, I mean, I'm the only one who doesn't collect Funko Pops, I, but I also have a different plastic addiction, so. Boy, so you're the only grown-up in this group as much No, oh, <laughs> sir, sir, no. I do Warhammer figures, so I can't say a oh damn thing. Oh, my God. You, you probably paint them yourself, too, don't you? Uh, why keep my wife why, paints them? Oh, well, I build them. She paints them. That's Wait, why keep them boxed in? I don't get it. I like the box. I like the box, man. Hey, I, I like how the box looks. He, yeah, and we, we always and we could always yell, "What's in the box?" That's true. 
features the longest track in their career at this point, uh, clocking in at 13 minutes and 45 seconds with Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. It's also oh. the last album to feature an instrumental track. Uh, in wait, 19- wait, what? It's the last album to feature an instrumental. Thank baby Jesus. <laughs> uh, in 1985, the song Flash of the Blade would be featured in one of Lou's favorite horror movie directors, D- D- Dario Argento, in the film Phenomena. Starring a very young Jennifer Connelly pre-Labyrinth. Oh, she was still a kid, huh? All right. Yeah, and Donald Pleasance is in the film, too. Very cool. All right. Uh, Power Slave starts off in a feverish pace with Aces High. I wish they could have added that Churchill speech like they do when they play it live. That sounds really cool together. Yeah. Um, but what a great opener. It kind of reminds me of Invaders a bit, but obviously way better. It's like they figured out what they did wrong with that song and fixed it here. Uh, two Minutes to Midnight. I remember seeing this video all the time. And I had to bring us ball. Such a great song with a catchy chorus. Lost for Words. Decent instrumental. Not as good as Transylvania or Genghis Khan. Uh, Flash of the Blade. I remember the day I bought this album. I was with my dad. I asked if uh, he could stop at the music store on the way home. And uh, he usually tells me no. But for some reason, he just uh, let me go this time. He, he doesn't like me spend, uh, wasting my money. But uh, for some reason, he stopped. Even during a snowstorm. Ghost on him. You still did it. Nice. Every yeah, kid look, got told that by their yeah, parents. No music. Waste money. Look at the wall behind you. He taught you a lesson, didn't oh, he? Anyway, he well, he helped me build that <laughs> shelf, too. He showed so. you. Yeah. He actually helped me build that. Um, so anyway, I went to the music store and I grabbed the Power Slave album. And it was actually the Castle reissue with the two bonus discs. But um, I remember when this song came on and it was instantly like my favorite song on the album. I love the guitar intro and I would always play that part on a guitar because it was the only thing I could do. Uh, but it was really one of those deep tracks that don't get mentioned much. So I, I love that song a lot. Uh, the Duelist, I really like this song too. Only part I'm not crazy about is the chorus where Bruce's vocals are off in the music. I don't hate it, but those oohs or ahs or whatever are throwing it off. Uh, I don't really care for that too much. Uh, Back in the Village, another really cool song. I love the guitars in this where it's not just doing some straight chords, but playing a bunch of notes in the verses as well in the chorus too. Power Slave, love this song. It's uh, one of my top favorite Maiden songs. You can stare at the album cover and just hear the song and uh, the song... Uh, is the reason why i hear other bands trying wait this song though is the reason why when i hear other bands trying to do egyptian type songs i don't like it because nothing is as good as this they don't measure up uh rhyme of the ancient mariner i'll never forget seeing them play this live being at almost 14 minutes it really doesn't uh, feel like that long of a song to me because there's just so many parts and so much going on my favorite is where the song slows down and then steve harris and the bass and those guitars are just going and um just makes your hair stand on your arms and if you listen with headphones i love this that part because you can hear the boat and the water and everything going back and forth so it's a really cool thing and to hear to realize that they did that like 1984 not like you know because they didn't have the technology that they have today so seeing that they were able to still pull something like that off back then is just amazing uh, and anyway, this album really brings me back to my childhood. At some point, my grandfather found the record at a yard sale or something, and he uh, bought it for me because he thought I would like it just from the artwork alone. He didn't know I liked Maiden. But um, stupidly, I ended up selling it years later because I'd never had a record player. And I kicked myself in the ass now because I held it on. I held on to it for so long. Uh, I liked the record, too, because the jacket was textured. I don't know if anybody ever had the record. I had it. It was textured. Yeah, yeah it had like, this again, texture to I- it. 
I kicked myself. I had that on vinyl, got rid of all my Iron Maids except for a couple. I, I, I regret that totally. Anyway, continue. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm done. But the, I have a couple main records. But yeah, I, I wish I would have never got rid of that one. That was so stupid. Well, uh, maybe you can find an original do. copy of Mr. Cheapo's. I, I've seen it, but it's, it's going for like way too much money. Yeah, they want oh. too much money for that yeah. stuff. Blue, they yes, used to be like for. I mean, Highway to Hell is a perfect example. That album or Back in Black have sold millions and millions of copies. I mean, and they want like a used copy. They want like $40. Forget it. I'm not paying $40. It's stupid. It's pretty dumb. Yeah. Yard sales, sometimes you'll find stuff. But uh, James, go ahead. All right. Thank God for this Don Julio private cask. Absolutely delicious. Thank you, Christy Slicker, for this. Um, <laughs> Help me get through this um ace is high it's about airplane combat how can i hate it i mean honestly air Air force guy yeah i have to like airplanes you know two minutes to midnight it was it was good i liked it when especially when they harmonized and everything i thought i really enjoyed that song um and then and now we're gonna get to the rest of it um lost for words uh but their best instrument i will say this it was their best instrument instrumental song Still wish they would stop. I put there though, but that is their best one. I wish they would stop. Um, they do. <laughs> thank God. I now, now hearing that it makes me feel even better. Uh, Flash the blade. I can't hear Bruce. I can barely hear him in this freaking song. I for, I don't know if it's just the way the Amazon has it or what. I couldn't hear him very well. So it kind of like I didn't understand what was going on. Uh, the Duelist. Once again, I don't have I have no fucking clue what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> Fencing. Yeah. Uh, I assumed that, but I didn't really know. So I was like, what the hell is he talking about? And I didn't, couldn't really understand him. Back to the Village, repeating the title is not a chorus. I repeat. Well, wait till we get to later albums. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he keeps saying this shit. And it keeps getting worse. This is only the beginning. Power Slave, the Egyptian stuff was really cool, but the rest of the song was meh to me. I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. I mean, this is Iron Maiden. You should know by now. It's not my. It's not my bag. Rhyme of the Ancient Mary. <laughs> the Swedish made stuff is though. Anyway, ayo, um, <laughs> ew. <laughs> Rhyme of the Ancient Mary. Oh boy, a taste of what I have in store. <laughs> Brace yourself in, kiddies. Well, you'll yeah. be uh, happy to know uh, it'll be thirty years from this point, nineteen eighty four. That they won't have another long song like this. Okay. And that one's a... 20 minutes. No, that one's 30 minutes. Oh, no, 18 minutes. Yes, you're right. Oh, oh I goody. <laughs> I'm going to have a blast, aren't I? You will. And you will. Um, uh, Spoiler naked alert. XYZ, uh, our AI help you find perfect match. Oh, wait. That's, uh, yeah, bot. No, more that's a bot. Yep. That's a bot we're reporting. Oh, yep, here we go. There's three of them. Damn, these people don't give up. Uh, Murphy, he saw the Power Slave tour live at the Spectrum in Philly. Still his favorite all-time concert. Blew his mind. That's incredible, actually. That, that would have been awesome to see that. Yeah, I know that stage set. Jeez. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I saw Peace of Mind, but it was nothing like what I saw. I didn't see Power, or Power Slave. I mean, I seen pictures and uh, DVD live after death. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Well, you go ahead. It's your turn oh okay i actually love this album quite a bit wait I, did james talk about rhyme of the, oh never mind yeah all right huh yeah i was done, he's, he's I was, done. I was done sorry manny go ahead no no you're fine so uh 
I'm not going to talk about the individual songs overall. I just talk about the overall album. I love the album quite a bit. Um, actually, I think it's an improvement over Peace of Mind, and I like Peace of Mind a lot. It's a classic album from the album cover, like you said, texture. You could look at that album cover for hours. The opening track, Ace is High, is just high energy, just an incredible song. Um, I love it. I like the subject matter. Actually, Iron Maiden was one of the first metal bands, if I remember correctly, that would take their sub political subject matter from historical events, at least starting from this album. I don't remember in the last one. Literature um so they're they're kind of interesting that way uh two minutes to midnight love love that song i think it was based on the cold war theory and somebody correct me if i'm wrong that the doomsday clock is set two minutes to midnight or something like that i don't yes, quite like that yes yes it is okay now it makes sense what that song's about yeah um, especially during this time during the cold war is absolutely yeah very hot yeah <laughs> um lost for words full of bumps lost for words i like it as an instrumental but i don't think it's her best instrumental um it's okay flash of the blade i i i like that song a lot it's a deep cut i don't think they've ever even played it live i could be wrong but it's a great song okay um the duelist i don't even after i listen to that song i don't remember it as soon as it's over so it's not really? my yeah overall i love the album i even like rhyme of the ancient mariner which is like a little pretentious uh based on the uh on the uh coolidge uh poem which i like um i love the title track power slave overall i i like the album quite a bit and it's definitely in the top tier of the art made discography all right that's it wayne take it away lou lou or lou I was trying to report that uh, weird guy in hey, the yeah, chat, but I, I took care of it. Okay. I took care of it. I got him. Yeah, I, right, I got awesome. the, uh, I went to the website and I bought all the stuff. Yeah, nice. that was the reason for it. So um, love this album. Um, <clears throat> not going to lie that I can remember when uh, my brothers bought it. Each of them bought a copy of it on cassette and so did a bunch of my cousins. We drove up to, uh qp marketplace in uh queens plaza and it was like a flea market type store and they actually had like a, a record store down there it was like one of the first places you could also get like the press on t-shirts of like your favorite bands and things like that and um sergio valente jeans like across like it had a bunch of stuff but yeah i, I remember uh them buying this cassette on you know practically the day of release and uh we heard it Man, I must have heard this album every every year from 1984 till about 1988, you know. And in 1989, my uh, brother uh, for Christmas bought me a VHS copy of Live After Death, which I still have. And, you know, I absolutely love this album. You know, Ace is High, probably the best opener of an Iron Maiden album. Two minutes to midnight. I love the song, but again, burnout factor. Like I kind of put it in the, uh, yeah, I, I kind of put it in the run to the hills trooper category, where it's like <laughs> if I never hear them play it again, I'm okay with that because I've heard it so many times. Um, Lost for words, great instrumental. I love Flash of the Blade. I would have to say that's my favorite track on the album. Duelist, least favorite track, 
but it's not a song that sucks in my opinion it's just least favorite track um back in the village you know i think the riff is great um you know the lyrics are lyrics could be better i'm not gonna <laughs> lie <laughs> but i do like the song um power slave i mean nothing is more cooler to watch as a kid when you're watching maiden perform this live and a big mummified Eddie comes out in the middle of the, uh, you know, during the solo break. I mean, it was so cool. That image is ingrained in my head forever. And uh, I love it. And you know, Bruce with the uh, feather mask, which apparently he bought from a sex shop in London. <laughs> you know, it was like one of those fetish masks. Yeah. And uh, no. Rhyme... Yeah. it would never be a fetish mask. <laughs> and uh, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. You know, I never thought that a song and this is before I realized how, you know, before before Xanadu became my favorite song ever from Rush. Um, I didn't think a song could be 13 minutes long and me enjoy it as much as I do and feel like I'm being taken away, you know, like listening to it. And uh, it, was it, it, take, it takes you shorter than thir- uh, 13 minutes there, sir, to, to get you no, to a faraway place. What I mean by that is just it's, it, it <laughs> takes you through a journey from start to finish. And I uh, think it was written by uh, the original poem was written by Samuel Taylor Coleridge. And yeah. uh, apparently yeah, you're right. You're right. And, and this is where, you know, the, the bird, the albatross becomes symbolic for everything that came in its wake. I mean, if anybody remembers Monty Python when they had guess, uh, yeah. an albatross sketch mm-hmm. <laughs> and what the albatross symbolizes. Um, I, you know, great song. I I have not seen them perform it live. The only epic, I guess you could say, song that I ever saw them perform live was the title track to Seventh Son, which, you know, great. But, you know, who knows if they'll ever pull Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner again. I doubt that they would do somewhere back in time tour again you know considering that after every tour that they do to promote a record promotes the record and then the one after that is the legacy tour where they perform like you know classics or whatever so you know we may never hear this song live again unless you go see an iron maiden tribute band which one is going to be playing live after death will be playing 89 north very soon so you know i'd like to go check them out nick trotty who's a friend of mine he's actually the one that Help me mod my uh my prized Fender Stratocaster. He's the one that recommended to replace it with a Demarzio Super Distortion pickup. And yeah, the mirror, it's because I'm a thin Lizzie fan. So, you know. Oh, and don't forget your copper ball. Brass nut. Oh. <laughs> yes, I'm an Ingve fan too. And the guitar <laughs> sounds a lot cooler with a brass nut. All right, I'm I'm gonna stop one on my head. I told him I have two brass nuts, but go ahead. Yeah, Yertle. Anyway, um, <laughs> All right, Hank Hill, calm down. <laughs> anyway, the um, naked HD XYZ again. again? <laughs> hey, hey, I have a really perfect match. My ass in your face. Anyways. Hey, I help you find perfect match. <laughs> uh, get out of your penis with this pill. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Love Power Slave. Uh, definitely my top five maiden albums. Uh, it's a great album by the way i didn't think about it but uh there is a thin lizzie influence on those guitars from adrian smith and uh, dave murray isn't there oh yeah i mean and they even covered massacre as a b-side uh during the seventh sun period and uh i thought it was a good cover i don't think i've heard it i've got the uh 
Eddie's Archives. It's got a lot of those B-sides, but I don't think that's on there. I'd have to look, but I haven't listened to it in a while. Yeah, I'm not crazy about that song. It's okay. Um, Devil uh, Dozer, his cousin gave him Power iPod. Slave in 1984, and he was hooked. Still his favorite Iron Maiden album. Ace's High is the best choice for an uh, opener for this album, in his opinion. And he's going to see Iron Maiden in Tulsa next month, taking his oh. family, and he can't wait. First I, I, I hope he has fun. However, I will not be I will gather around to miss that. However, I will agree Ace's High is their best opener. I will see him in October, actually. So, well, I think I've seen him about eight times. You've seen him that many times? Yeah, I've seen him uh, pretty much every album since Bruce came back, except for like the last two. Well, they only came to. They haven't been to Tampa. They went. Uh, I went saw him with Leo. You know Leo from the. Oh Water yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Specter Fate Brian. Mm-hmm. We all went together. That's the only time I met those guys. No, that's not true. I've hung out with Brian a few times, but. You know, and um, and then I and then I saw him in '83, and that's it. I haven't oh. twice. So, oh wow, anyway. uh, I've seen I've seen Priest as many times as I've seen Maiden, which is five times. And uh, probably the two legacy bands I will consistently see live. And um, yeah, because they put on a great performance, and you know they put on a great show, and they could still do it. Um, but you're right, Massacre <laughs> is not right. available on best of the b-sides so it's only available if you could find yourself a copy of the 95 castle recordings dual disc release of power of uh seven son so I good luck finding that well you brought up legacy acts live so did james earlier but all those acts uh acdc iron maid black sabbath uh, alice cooper so you had to throw them in there all these guys consistently put on great performances. I've never seen Halloween live. I don't think Halloween's ever come to Florida. They even tour the States, Wayne? They yeah, did. they just came back for the... Yeah, they go to New York. Yeah, pretty much. I don't know if they went to Florida, though. Yeah, well, um, I mean, it, 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 it does say something about those... those what I, I, and I hate using the word classic, but the, the, the legacy bands that... They just knew how to put on a show, and I think it's because you know that was the only way to hear bands mostly because yeah. radio wasn't going on so you could tell bands that have have a live thing so like i know for me the one the one i regret not seeing is seven dust not being able to see them There's because because seven dust was playing in knoxville the same night as Ozfest in 03 when i already had tickets and i was driving to atlanta i found out that they were there However, um, there's still new bands that do really good stuff. I, I always enjoy Head PE. They're like I've seen them like three times. I've seen Head PE. I actually like them live, and I bought the album. It's disappointing, you know. <laughs> yeah, they're a little different. I actually saw them live with, um, I believe, the Beastie Boys uh, DJ as guest DJ, and, and just he just was in the background there. Makes that master mind. Cool, yeah. actually. That would have been cool. It, it was well, the cool thing was the uh, the warm up band was Straight Line Stitch out of ten, out of Knoxville. They were there. They were the traveling opening band. So it was them playing home and just watching them go completely ape shit. When you know they're you know everyone in the crowd knows who the hell they are and they're excited to see them actually do good. It was that was really fun. So like Head B had to actually like step up their game because the rest of the crowd knew who the opening act was. I would love to see Seven Dust live personally. That's a band that uh, I've yet to see that I would love to. So you know them, Shy Halud. Uh, there's a even Halloween. There's a bunch of bands, but I am happy to say that I am going to Ghost when they play Long Island 
I'd love to see Ghost. They would and be they're playing with Mastodon, who I've seen live, who are amazing. Amazing, yep. And the opening act is Spirit Box. So, you know, three well, bands James, that I actually want to James, see. James has got to fly. He's got to fly over there. <laughs> yeah. Well, easy, easy. You're going to fall out of your chair and fall off the cliff. And don't this hurt the puppy. Bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. Uh, fucking bullshit. Goddamn bullshit. Well, the thing about those old bands back in the 70s, 80s, even bands like Poison, if you couldn't pull it off live, that was the end of your career. I mean, you had to be a, a great live act. And keep in mind, all these guys are playing. I mean, they were young when they signed contracts, but they were playing in clubs and including Judas Priest and Iron Maiden way before they ever, you know, stepped into the studio. We forget about that. Uh, so yeah, anyway. It's funny because I'm, I'm a very big Frank Marino fan. And he says he remembers where concerts were just called gigs because you just went to the show, you went to the arena, you went to the venue and all you did was just perform for whatever it was hour 15, hour and a half, two hours. Um, once it became grandiose, he said things like that are kind of what killed the, you know, music for musicians and kind of when the business side took over because then it said, OK, let's make it elaborate. Let's make it huge. Let's make it Vegas on a nightly basis every time you go to a different city. And, uh, you know, I, I love Frank Marino. I I. I agree with him to a point, um, but you know what? If the quality of the music wasn't good, and that includes bands like Maiden, Priest, Alice Cooper, yeah. you know, if 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 the quality of the music wasn't good, then I think most people wouldn't care about the performance. Yeah, the fact that they could cut it live and the live show itself was good, hey, you got your money's worth. Yeah, yeah. And actually, if you think about those Alice Cooper or even Kiss shows, everyone talks about how spectacular. You really watch those old clips. They're really playing more music than they are chopping off heads or explosions, including Kiss. You know, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, when I was a kid, I read about these shows and I expected every minute something was happening. That's far from the truth. But those are the guys who turn these shows into these spectacles, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, Kiss really goes over the top now with like pyrotechnics on like oh, yeah. every measure. And back, but back then, it was you know, like if you watched your concert footage <laughs> from the set. No, I'm not insulting them. I, I no, am. No, a no, Kiss no. Wayne fan. was though. What did you say, Wayne? Backing tracks. Oh, we don't discuss that. Yeah, but um, you know what, Wayne? We'll talk about that in a minute. Go ahead, look. Um, and no, it's just like if you watch like the the footage of Kiss from the '70s with the original lineup. I mean, really, like the only moments of spectacle were the opening boom, the closing boom, a boom during rock and roll all night. And, you know, like the spectacles during their solo spots. Other than that, it was really the music. So when people say Kiss was nothing but show, no, they were a great live band. You know, I agree. As far as backing tracks, Lou, uh, Wayne. Yeah, they do. But they're not the only ones guilty of it. No, it's think, everybody uses them. I think Neil Schoen said that the reason they use it, because they've tried to play without it. And they, they're a pretty good live band. But then they don't sound as good as their opening act, as crazy as that sounds. And then they get judged harshly. I There's not a lot of acts. I'm assuming ACDC when they tour don't have any. and Maybe that's it. I don't know. You know. I, I doubt the Black Sabbath. I mean, Iommi would probably, you know, stab you with his guitar if you tried that. I'm sure Ozzy used, you know, some sort of vocal 
you know thing. he had a backup vocalist behind the uh behind the curtain he had robert mason of uh formerly of lynch mob and currently a warrant uh as his uh you know backing track i actually don't mind that but if he, i wish they would put him on stage because at least that's honest you know at least yeah. that's that's a real voice um uh, anyway that's a discussion for another night. Holy show. But uh, Devil Bells are seen head PE in Salt Lake City. Cops ended the show before suicidal tendencies and misfits came on. Almost turned into a riot, but it didn't. 1997. That's an odd line. Sounds like Salt Lake City. Yeah. Uh, Murphy says, yeah, Mummy Eddie and the Feather Mask. And uh, Rhyme doesn't feel like 13 minutes when I listen to it. And no, it does not. Well, well no, to James, it does. Uh, it feels to a lot James, longer. it does. All right, so what are we going to give Screaming for Vengeance? I give it a nine. Ten. Uh, ten? Lou? I'll give Screaming uh, a nine. James? I'll give Screaming a nine because I didn't, I didn't want to skip anything. I actually wanted to listen to the whole thing through while I was working out, so it's a nine. Very cool. Defenders? I'm giving that a nine as well. Manny? Uh, eight. Eight. Lou? Ten. James. Seven. Okay. And Power Slave. I'm giving that a nine as well. Nine's all across the board for me. Manny? Nine. Lou? Nine. James? Six. Six. All right. So I, th- I, think, I, I think it works well with Iron Fate. <laughs> you just throw another two and you're good. So, exactly. Nope. Um... Screaming for Vengeance wins. Wow. Okay. Three nines and a ten. So there you go. The Vengeance is still my favorite. <laughs> yeah, James. Uh, Power Slave would have won if uh, James would have not did six. Actually, if Greg was here, maybe Power Slave would have won. Power Slave would've... probably would have won. Greg probably would have won. won. But you know, I was. Yeah. I'm, 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 really I'm honestly, I'm, I'm really trying not to rush and judge the freaking Iron Maiden, but it's just. It's hard. Well, so far, I'd like to ask of all the albums that we've covered, who do you prefer at this moment, Priest or Maiden? Priest. Okay. Definitely Priest. It's just, it's, it's just honestly, it's it's preference. It's you know, with with man and me and Manny have talked about this. I enjoy the blues so much, and I feel like the first few Priest albums were so bluesy that I actually enjoyed them way more. It's just something about Iron Maiden. I don't. It, it it's just it don't click with me dog you know just do range it, it don't it don't work with me all right yeah it just don't fit so yeah. far so yeah. far uh maiden is in the lead by three and judas priest has two so yeah i mean me and james talked about it, it was mostly in the context of the acdc bond scott era mm-hmm. and and bond definitely added a bluesy feel to his melodies and Oh God! Like once once again, I'll re- I'll re- I'll reiterate to the day I die. Bon Scott would have made it a great blues singer, and he would have been happy to hear that. And especially reading the book we're reading, which oh, event- he would have he would have torn Beale Street a new one. Yeah, his bar hopping. He'd have been the next Sputnik Monroe. As far as I'm concerned, Bon Scott was a blues singer. Yes, actually, uh, you won't get no disagreement from me on that. You know, I thought he was a rock and roll singer because he wanted to be a rock and roll star. Yeah, that's, I mean, that, I mean, like there's there's so many different acts yeah, that but, I feel like are blues singers. I know me and Lou will probably fight this, but like I think Chris Stapleton's a, a blues singer. Um, I don't know Plus, enough about Chris Stapleton to have an opinion, so I'll withdraw until I listen to him. 
And and Wayne, that lyric rock and roll singer is a perfect blues lyrics in a way. He's talking about his life. You know, I, this is who I'm going to be. Also could be a punk lyric because, you know, he tells, you know, you can shove your moral standards, you know. So Yeah, but but he's not he's not singing in, in the punk style, which is just, you know, in your face. And that's pretty much what punk's supposed to be because about. Because when you're Bon Scott, you don't need to be in your face. That's how cool he was. Anyway, back to Judas Priest Iron Maiden. Well, I just, he I just want, face. I just want to bring up one point though. Um, considering what we're saying about Bon Scott, you know, I would have to say a lot of the singers from the '70s: Ozzy, Ian Gillen, David Coverdale, Glenn Hughes. Um, they're to me they're they're blues singers too because they were influenced by the blues even brian johnson even brian johnson too actually yeah and and i feel like brian johnson gets a bad rap because he gets compared to bond well that's that's not brian's fault unfortunately it's not it's it's not his fault it's not his fault they just people do it yeah i mean you could um you could enjoy them both and like them each you know you can have your preference for your own reasons, but as far as comparing them, ah, that, that's unfair. I, I mean, it's Bob and Brian are two completely different singers. Yeah, it's night and day. I mean, I just, honestly, I really enjoy his version of the Jack when he does it live. I like Brian Johnson's version yeah. of the Jack. I think it, yeah, but, I think it works great. And but, it's probably one of the few times where a replacement singer does the original vocalist song justice. Yeah, and not only that, Brian does it his own way. He's not trying to be Bon Scott. Anyway, we'll talk about Bon, I guess, when we talk to that writer at some point. Um, and I actually just emailed her again today. So he's away again. So I got to see. What's well, we'll worry, we'll worry about him. He'll come. The whole of the show. Yeah. All right. So anyway. tonight, Judas Priest won with Screaming for Vengeance. Uh, Lou, anything going on? I know you just recorded another show today. Yeah, I just had um, Koopa and um, uh, Breezy from the band Signal to Noise. Um, I just interviewed them. They were recommended me recommended to me by uh, Mr. Michael Branvold of Michael Branvold Marketing and Three Sides of the Coin, the Kiss podcast or Kiss uh, fan podcast. But, you know, he did work with the band during their reunion tour. You know, he's the one that set up kissonline.com. Um, you know, Mike's sending some great talent for me to uh, interview, which is great. Unfortunately, I am behind on releasing episodes. You know, life gets in the way, unfortunately. And, you know, we're, we're podcasters, not by profession. We do this for love and, you know, we enjoy doing it. But sometimes life does get in the way. And, you know, my apologies to Michael, but, um, you know, he knows that I'm, I'm busy, but you know, I am excited about the current project that I'm working on with you, Wayne. So that's, Ooh, I think, going to melt some faces. Maybe. Oh, have you heard it, Manny? <laughs> I heard it. I liked it a lot, actually. There was a... Uh... Wait, thanks. Yeah. No, I did. I liked it a lot. I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of it. But he's lying. Nah. No, I heard a snippet. I hadn't heard the whole thing. I liked what I heard. See, if you liked it, you would listen to the whole thing. Uh you didn't send me the whole thing. I did. No, you didn't. Obviously, you've been drinking, mailman. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't know what the hell he's talking about. That I don't know what the hell I sent them. No. Uh, anyway, I uh, I uh, I heard it. I liked it a lot. Um, I look forward to hearing it. Actually, 
Yeah, we'll never send you the rest of it. Um, and if you're interested, check out our Facebook and Instagram pages for our band, Severed Angel. Just you know, type in Severed Angel Band and you'll find it. Yeah, it'll be there. And no, it's not a Christian or a black metal band, so stop it. <laughs> Uh, and I have an uh, interview coming up right after I do this show. It won't be live uh, with the Dragon Rojo Metal Fest and San Diego Metal Swap Meet people. So that'll be interesting. And I think that's coming up in October. October is the Swap Meet and November is the uh, the Metal Fest, which is pretty cool. It's going to be a lot of bands on both of those shows. Evil Dead, The Lord, Weird Slave. I don't know what the hell. Uh, Gene Hoagland experience, uh, Night Shadow, a bunch of. Uh, oh, Derek Riggs is also going to be there. So Ooh, that'd be kind of cool. Where is this? Uh, Hyrax or whatever do that show too. Uh, yeah, he'll be there. He's like the DJ there. That is yeah, in yeah. Uh, San Diego. I only oh. know because Scott Waters and his friends go there and uh, buy a bunch of shit, basically. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so I'll be doing that. I'll, that'll probably go up on Friday. So keep an eye out for that show. And James, what about your show? Oh, you're talking about No Huddle on the Rocky Mountain Sports Network. No, mm. um, it's uh, we're doing good. We're at almost at the end of preview season because this month we have college football. My long drought will be over. I will have football to watch very soon. Uh, we are finishing up soon. We're going to have a live episode coming up, hopefully Sunday, um, you know, with illnesses and everything going around. Uh, we're going to be previewing the uh, mid uh Mid-American Conference, also known as the MAC, and also the Sunbelt Conference, which we refer to as the Fun Belt, because it's one of our favorite conferences of uh, smaller southeastern schools. So me and Caleb are going to be talking about that, and uh, we're, we're, we're doing live shows now. So uh, we're, we're done with doing the uh, you know, the pre-recording and getting used to each other, and we're now going to go live on Facebook on uh, Rocky Mountain Sports Network. So if you guys could watch that, it'd be very appreciative. Cool. Smash that follow button. Hit the like button. Uh, Murphy like, says, comment, subscribe, uh, like, right. comment, and subscribe. Hit the bell to let you know that we're coming live. That's right. Uh, Murphy uh, says, Frank Marino has great, strange dreams, awesome track, and sister change. Many others, too. Juggernaut, classic album. It's a juggernaut. And we are juggernauts. And we will see you guys next week with part six of Judas Priest vs. Iron Maiden. Actually, uh, next week starts uh, one album versus one album. No more of these uh, well, triple albums. Well, wait, 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 wait. We're not doing two Judas Priest albums. No, no we're next doing week. Turbo versus yeah. Somewhere in Time. We, mm-hmm. we will be we'll, we'll be quickly going to two Iron Maiden albums to versus one Judas Priest album. No. Yeah, we got a few of those. No. Uh, okay. Not until we hit the 2000s. No, we got Pain, uh, Painkiller versus No Prayer, Fear of the Dark. So we got 90s. I don't know what list. Oh, okay. That must be the list. Oh, so that means that X Factor and Virtual Eleven are going against Jugulator? No, Jugulator and X Factor are going against each other. Oh, and then Demolition versus uh, Virtual, Virtual Eleven. Eleven. Yeah. Well, better send that list to me because I have no idea what. Two wonderful albums. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, can't wait for that. Uh, <laughs> I like yeah, plays. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be so sad uh, that I won't be here for the uh, whole pink uh, ram it down seven. Well, then maybe we should uh, record those uh, a lot sooner. Yeah, we, uh, we should record those next week. Actually, well, what are you doing right now? <laughs> Not listening to this shit. <laughs> okay, so he gets that as zero. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for coming in the show and watching, even though, yes, you were late, Devil Dozer, but that's okay. You can always watch it again from the beginning because right after this ends, you can just hit replay. So hit Absolutely. subscribe, hit that bell button, and we will see you guys next week. Toodaloo. Demoni, the Sentinel does not sound like Van Halen. Yes, it does.
Liar. Nope. Yeah. Speak the truth. I am. We're still recording, so it don't matter. I can still I know. say this. We're going to keep going. Whoever gets the last we're word to. We're, oh, no, no, no. I'm not letting you. 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 Kill it. Kill it. Kill it. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter. No, 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 no. No, you're wrong. It doesn't matter. Thank you, Wayne. You're going to get the last word in. Two against one. You're wrong. Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, look no further than the Ratsaw Review Network. Ratsaw Review is taking over the podcast world with plenty of shows to choose from within their network of entertaining programming, including the flagship show, Ratsaw Review, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and Lou Mavs, as well as occasional co-hosts Manny Mejias and James Lilquist. We also have the official Ratsaw Review spin-offs, such as Album vs. Album, Screams from the Grave, where we discuss beloved yet forgotten hard rock and metal albums of the past, and a King Diamond podcast called This Broadcast Belongs to Them. We've also got Old Man Metal's music. The Metal Thrashing Nerd Podcast with Metal Thrashing Mike. The Timo Toki Podcast featuring Stradivarius and Avalon founding member Timo Toki. The BS Sessions with Mark and Jerry. Just the Cheese Please, a podcast dedicated to cheesy films of the 1980s with Tara J and Adam. And the Music is Live Podcast with Lou Mavs. The Ratsaw Review Network is your go-to one-stop shop for the best podcasts out there today. Go to RatsawReview.com for more info. And to find out where you can find, follow, subscribe, and comment on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and all streaming platforms. The Ratsaw Review Network. We're, We're taking over. over.